It's interesting how for so many people, sex in the city has become a blueprint for the ideal New York City lifestyle and experience. You want to have your Mr. Big fantasy, sipping Cosmos in restaurants with your friends, and splashed by a bus at the corner of Fifth Avenue as you live out your main character title sequence. Well, maybe not the splash part, but as Carrie says, and just like that, here I am, a young gay man living in New York City in an era when the dating game has become more of a game of Russian roulette. Join me, Kaven Hendren, as we talk about how a single character inspired countless people and created the ideal New York City lifestyle we all want to live. We'll talk about dates, share stories, and of course, sip a few Cosmos along the way. This is The Bradshaw Effect. All right, hello everybody and welcome to the Bradshaw Effect. I am here with the one, the only, Matthew Davies. Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. We've had so many good conversations off of, uh, this isn't really a camera, it's a Zoom screen, but a, you know, just in life that I figured it was time that we brought those conversations here to the podcast. I am so happy to be here with you. I am so proud of you for creating this and doing this, so... It is a complete honor for me. Thank you. Why don't you start with just telling everybody a little bit about you and your journey uh, in life and here in the city and all of those things? Wow. What a loaded question. I know. It's a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll do we'll do Reader's Digest so that we're not sitting here for 12 hours. <laughs> so my name is Matthew Davies. I am a New York-based queer artist. I um, was born and raised in Utah the youngest of seven. I grew up in a theater family, literally um, literally spent all of my waking moments at a theater, um, which I loved. And I went to college in Utah, got my BFA in musical theater, and then I moved to New York City in 2016 and have been living here wildly on and off since then, performing at regional houses and uh, Broadway national tours, and then not performing at all, just the journey of an artist. And just recently, I'm well, I'm about to release a, an album with a jazz fusion of musical theater and pop and jazz songs all under kind of this like queer umbrella um, to really celebrate our community. Yeah, how is that? <laughs> that was fantastic. And hell yeah, you are releasing an album. That's amazing. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about performing and all of those things. So what was like the point in your life you decided to move to New York? So most families take vacations to like beaches and or they like go camping. Not my family. My family has been coming to New York ever since I can remember. I saw my first Broadway show when I was two. I don't know why they let me into the theater. Um, <laughs> what was I the show? The Lion, I saw The Lion King. And um, I sat silent the entire time. I was obsessed. And when my family came to the city um, in 2003, I saw Wicked. And this is such a cliche, but I don't even care. No. And... I sat on, I was in the orchestra and I just was crying because I was feeling all the emotions sucked into this story, transported out of my world. Like I still hear, cry watching that show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. 
Um, and so many people feel this way, but that was, that was my, like the spark of the dream was like, oh my gosh, I want to live here. And, and so we, we came back multiple times after then. So I felt like I knew the city and I felt like I just had the feeling back then that it was going to be my home one day. You go through teenage years and in college even, then you're like, oh my gosh, what a big scary thing to move across the country where you know no one and have no family. But, you know, we grow and, and when the time came, it was definitely a very big adjustment. But so I, I, I think I really knew when I was 10. Crazy. Everybody that I've talked to has had like a, I mean, obviously a different story because, and that's just like yeah. the wonderful magic thing about living here is like everybody's journey here is different and unique and everything. And so like, I am very open about like, whenever I first move here, like, I feel like I am just now getting my bearings and am not living in this topsy-turvy, upside-down juggling act that I feel like it was for like the first five, six months. You know, that's part of the reason I wanted to start this podcast was to just like talk about how everybody's journey is different and there is no one linear way and everybody's on their own path to their own versions of success and living their authentic selves and all of that. And specifically with this, you know, podcast talking about sex in the city and how it is, I mean, they do, do they show hardships? I was going to say that they do some, I mean, not really to the standards of what I would say is like today, but yeah, it's a lot of the sipping Cosmos on Fifth Avenue restaurants with your... (laughs) with your gal pals yes and and honestly i very much connect to because when i was younger it was like oh you stayed in a hotel and you were like in times square and back then i thought times square was everything i was like oh my gosh i could live in times square and now i avoid avoid times square like the plague because yeah. i'm like too many people <laughs> um but I, I had romanticized New York like that for so long. And it wasn't until I came here for college. I had an audition here in the city. And I was staying with a friend in their apartment. And I was like, oh, this is what New York is. It's like, it's getting up at 5.30 in the morning. And it's not, you know, not here. there's seven people sharing a bathroom. Yeah. And you're sleeping on the floor or the couch. Like that, you know what I mean? That was my kind of rude awakening. But I felt I felt confident enough to say that I could still move here after experiencing that and saying, Oh, I still want to do this. That didn't that didn't push me away from it. I think you're right because you know what we see is so romanticized in those New York series, television series. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like it still feels real, but it also feels like you said, sipping cosmos on Fifth Avenue. No, exactly. And one of our dear friends, Patrick O'Neill, he opened my eyes to, uh, yeah, we're giving little heart signs we're to the camera. We're giving big heart signs. We <laughs> love him. I did not know that like I was allowed to sublet when I first moved here. Yeah. That I didn't have to commit myself to a lease or to an area. I could literally just pack, you know, three bucks, two bags, one me. Amen. And get take my essentials and go from one place to the other as I wanted. And that was kind of what I did when I first got here is I test drove it, stayed there long enough to do the things I didn't have to do on a normal trip, the laundry, the grocery shopping. And, um, and that is something like with the apartment that I'm in now, I'm very thankful that Mm. we're close to all of the things we're close. We're a block away from laundry. We're a block away from a grocery store because the last place that I, when I sublet, I was not. And so then it's the, 
Oh, yeah, you're having to carry your 16 bags of groceries in the pouring rain while the car, you're avoiding the car splashing you as they drive by. (laughs) (laughs) The tears slightly running down your cheek while you walk. (laughs) But those moments also are just, I don't know. I've grown to really appreciate those moments just because like, I think they're hard in the moment, but they are just so comical when you're able to take a step back finally and go, wow, okay. Oh my gosh, so comical. Moving into buildings, I once wrecked a, a like a, what, what do you call those? Like a ceiling cover? Uh, oh, like the, the tiles? The, no, like the ones that like go Oh, like the on, bowls. Yeah, the, the bowls that cover the lights on the ceiling. Yeah. I was moving into an apartment building and I had a couch that was way too big for the hallway and I shattered this thing, shattered it. And I like, it was comical. Like I literally, it was friends like pivot, pivot. Like it, it was my real life pivot because it, it couldn't have been more true. And I just literally like in that moment, I was so stressed. But after the fact, I was like, this is hilarious. Like this, I can't believe this is life. I will say I have found a hack to New York that I would tell everyone. Enter the housing lottery. Full stop, period. It costs you nothing to enter the housing lottery. You create a profile on this government website and then you just click a button and you click and you enter. And I tell you, that is the next, like that is elevation of New York living because you find these beautiful buildings as artists, we typically can't afford to live in, mm-hmm. and it can change your life. It will It will just bring you one step closer to that Carrie Bradshaw life, I will say it. I got a couple questions from my first episode from people that are in high school and in theater, w- wanting to know more about that life up here as well. Essentially just asking, like, I see what is presented in the media of the performance life in New York of where I'm at my job and I have to drop everything while I'm waiting this table and then run to this callback. Or- Here's what I will tell you about the journey that I have found for myself. And this for me is based in sustainability. Do you know Jen Waldman? I do. Jen has this, if if you don't know what, who Jen Waldman is, everyone, go to JWS online, um, look her up, take her classes. Um, Jen has this, this phrase, or it was created in the JWS community called a parallel career. And that changed my life. The idea of a parallel career um, that you don't have to, there, like, there's there's something that's been fed to us by the media is like, you have to be a starving artist. You have to be a struggling artist. Mm-hmm. You have to commit everything, 100% of your life to this. Um, and I think it's very dangerous rhetoric because Agreed. it can create burnout. It does not encourage sustainability. It does not encourage creativity. It encourages you to give in to the system. And the system does not care about us. The system cares about itself. It feeds itself. So what I've taken from this that has helped me break out of that mold and the media I was fed by my college program and by others is like suffering for art. And I don't believe in that. I don't believe that we should put all of our eggs in one basket, that we should say, oh my gosh, I have this audition coming up. I have to take a voice lesson and I have to get dialect coaching. Like if you have moments or callbacks, I think that's worth it. But we have to create a beautiful life that is filled with joy and happiness first. 
period, full stop, end of sentence. Because we are the only things that we have. If we're not creating that for ourselves, if we're not finding joy and love in the world around us, that no one else is going to do it for you. So we, we as artists, we find each other like you and I did. We support each other. We love each other. And that like, that literally makes the biggest difference. But you know, the end of the day, we're all asleep. You might be awake at 3am trying to figure this problem out. I'm not there to be with you as much as I would love to. So creating that, creating a parallel career, a parallel passion where you don't feel like you have to for example, wait tables or do something that you hate in order to squeak by to get an audition once a month or a couple of like weeks at a time, that leaves you with so much dead space of like living in a life that isn't filled and rooted with joy. My journey, I start, I came to the city and I was living that life. I was, I didn't work a job I hated. I, I don't have the capacity to do something I hate. I give in much too quickly. My life is, I feel, is way too short for that. It wasn't something that I did for very long, but I worked a job that I wasn't super passionate in, and it took some maturing in time, so this is why I share this. Feed, feed all parts of you. Don't just feed the theatrical part. Feed the part of you that maybe loves to do computer engineering or loves to do real estate or curate art. I followed my path of becoming a massage therapist, so I'm helping people heal. I'm bringing them joy and light while also auditioning. Like That feeds me so that maybe my artistic side isn't super busy right now or isn't feeling as fruitful. I have something else to pour my love into. So it's a scale that tips back and forth um, just as like the roller coaster of life is. So I feel like that's the thing I would want to share the most is like creating a life that is based in passion and joy and feeds you always instead of creating a scarcity mindset or just doing anything that doesn't bring you joy. Like I just don't believe in that. You talked a little bit about burnout and I always tell people I'm very open that I think during when the pandemic first hit, I mean, first of all, that was just a very overwhelming time. No one knew what the hell was happening or what was going to happen. And so right at the start of the pandemic during all of that time, I couldn't help but start to feel a little bit of burnout in terms of performing um, and just what I was doing. And part of it, in retrospect, was just the constant uh, chasing of the college theater setting Mm. and how you're literally conditioned to just chase after the job or chase after the opportunity rather than stretching into, you know, your skill sets and everything. Thank you, Lindy Franklin Smith, for that analogy. Learned that from you. That is such a powerful thing once you can kind of rewire your brain to think that way. Whenever the pandemic started happening, when I started feeling that burnout, I kind of had a whatever you want to call it life crisis, like in that moment where I was just like, what do I do? Do I go into writing? Do I go into graphic design? But it was just like this juggle of what do I do? And I think there's something magical and powerful and the this parallel life 
that you talked about and how all of that really goes hand in hand. Did you experience any of that? Everything happened. And then I started to get my hopes up. I was like, okay, like I'll move back to New York on this date. And then it was like, I think it was June of 2020. And then a huge announcement came in a wave and they're like, Broadway shall not return until spring of 2021. I was like a full year. You're giving, you're saying 10 months. I, 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 I had been fiddling around, twiddling my thumbs for four months at this point. I was like, I, I can't do that for another 10 months. I have to do something. So like that hope, I like, that was like my burnout of hope. I was like, well, yeah. now there's no hope left. But I agree with you that what the pandemic taught me is like burnout is real. I think I very much prescribed to hustle culture before then, just like pushing myself because I say like, if I throw a million noodles at the wall, a noodle's going to stick. Yeah. And the burnout for all of that reset me and said, why am I auditioning for shows that I don't believe in the story or I don't care about yes. or aren't going to bring me joy? I The pandemic was a lot of loss for me. We all experienced it that on, on a lot of levels, our career, our passion, um, even, you know, in the health crisis that swept our world. And so I used it as that burnout as a reset to connect with my family, my loved ones, and connect with myself and say, what is going to bring me joy? And and interestingly enough, you know, I tested the waters as things started to open up again. I did my first show in July of 2021. So like a year and a half later from the pandemic. And, and I just sobbed like I sobbed for a lot of reasons, but when I wasn't on stage, I was pretty much backstage crying on one of my castmates' shoulders because I was grieving so many things. I was grieving the burnout. So I was like kind of readjusting to the world. I was like, okay, well, I performed, I guess. It just, it didn't feel the same. The burnout, like there was a shift that I had to reconcile with. And it wasn't until March of 2022, so almost two years after the shutdown, that I realized that like, I had become a little bit disenchanted with art in a sense. And I had to, it was like the big burnout. It was like little mini burnouts. And this was like the huge one that was like, stop. You need to look at yourself. You need to look at why you're doing art. How are you going to continue with art or not? And that was the moment that I like really, you know, there was, it took months to figure out what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Do I still love this? What does my future look like? As a human being, am I happy? Asking myself all those questions. Do you know about like why statements? I like, love a why statement. If you all don't know about why statements, essentially, we all have a reason why we get out of bed in the morning, a reason why we do what we do. And there's something powerful in that when you can look at your why statement as an artist, because ultimately your why statement has to go beyond a stage or a canvas or something like that. Like it's, it's, it's life. It encompasses like how you move through the world. And there's something very powerful and figuring that out. And it almost eliminates competition, at least for me personally, it has eliminated every sense of competition that I feel walking into an audition room, walking yeah. into a meeting, whatever it might be. And it also makes me not gravitate towards certain projects. It's like, why do I want to waste my time on a story that I'm not passionate about when yeah. there's another show waiting over at the corner that I can go and work with that isn't aligned with the stories that I want to tell and seek to tell? I feel 
like everyone should create a why statement, even if you're not in the arts. Why do you do accounting? Why do you do X, Y, and Z? It just like, it, it, it brings it into home and it makes it so personal. And like you said, it eliminates that. There's a really toxic thing that's perpetuated in, in musical theaters, like the competition, the, the hustle culture, mm-hmm. like uh, starting artist. And when you're able to define that, I think you perfectly said it, you nailed it on the head, was then you walk into audition rooms and you you don't care what the other person's saying or how they're dancing or how they portrayed the the monologue. Like, it doesn't matter because it's not about that. Yep. It's about why you are there, why you're creating, makes you a better artist. And it like it gives art a deeper purpose instead of like, I just wanted a job. Anyone can have a job and everyone can elevates their art, their what they do in life by simply giving themselves a purpose. So we've done a little bit of where you've been. We've done a little bit of where you're at. Why don't we go into a little bit of where you're going? What is the basis of what is exciting to me as I move forward in life as an artist, as a human is... So there's a couple of ways to approach it. I have a friend, her name's Whitney Euland. She has this whole series on TikTok where she calls stepping into your celebrity energy. And oh, I, love I that. feel like, oh, it's incredible. You must find her. And I feel like it also really connects with mindfulness meditation, which I do every morning and night. It's meditating on the law of attraction of like manifesting abundance in your life. And that has been the basis of my shift in how I'm approaching things. If I feel like something's negative or not serving me or bringing me down, I try to release it by stepping into that celebrity celebrity energy and also saying, I'm attracting abundance and goodness because I believe the things that you speak out loud, the things that you, the energy that you put out is the energy that you attract from the universe. It's it's unrealistic to expect to know what life looks like. Things shift so rapidly. I find that it just doesn't serve me to focus on that. What does serve me is focusing on what I can control. And that's how I speak to myself, what mm. energy I attract to myself, who I attract to myself. I have been establishing healthy boundaries with family, friends, work, like all of it to help me just manifest love, light, abundance, and a positive mindset. How have you found that, you know, this journey for you walking down this road of manifestation and abundance and everything has led you to this album? It exists. So I think it it's led me here because of the duality of it that I learned from the pandemic of losing art and losing a lot of other things And having to really boil down what was bringing me joy, what was bringing me happiness, what was going to elevate my life. And it was combining those two things, the sadness, the grief, and, and, and then only bringing into my life the goodness. So it led to the album because for so much of my life, for more than half my life, I have not seen queer LGBTQ representation, the need and desire to create that, to know and to normalize it, that there's some kid somewhere who loves jazz music, jazz fusion, pop music, and maybe doesn't see themselves in something 
but if they did, if they saw themselves, then that would blossom. Like the artists like Janelle Monae, Troy Sivan, Lil Nas X, like just to name a few, Dodie, all of them with their authenticity and their visibility that they've created have inspired me and, and remind people that like, it, it's kind of a fusion with the album. The album has like the highest of highs, finding the positivity and the positivity and the love around you. And then it also has the lows of when things aren't going so well and how that is life and how it blends beautifully together. Combining that like life lesson that I learned in the last two years and then bringing it into my community with love, it, it just feels like a win, win, win. Like, I, it's for my community. I'm giving them love and disability. I'm giving it to myself by making my dream come true. And even if you're not a part of the LGBTQ community, like this album is still for you to see and witness. And I don't even know that normalize is the right word because all love should be accepted, but just maybe to help you understand a perspective that you didn't see before, boil it down. It's so simple. We all experience love, loss, grief, joy. And that rainbow of emotion. And on that note, here's a little preview. Hey, girl. Oh, baby, look what you started. The temperature's rising in here. Is this gonna happen? Been waiting and waiting for you to make a move. Before I make a move. So baby, come light me up. I don't know about you all, but so I was up at midnight on uh, the 18th is when we're recording this the morning of. Uh, so like, what was it? 12 hours ago, I was yeah. up waiting for this thing to drop on Spotify. My phone died and I freaked out because I Shut didn't up. have it charged. So I literally had to like run across my room and grab my laptop and like pull up Spotify. <laughs> and I listened to it on my laptop. I am just so stinking proud of you. It is so good. First of all, vocals, incredible. Arrangements, <laughs> incredible. Um, also obsessed with the photo that you picked for the album cover. That is sick. Um, so what is what is next for this? I mean, you've... You've given everybody a little taste of what to expect. What what comes after it? Yeah. So the album will drop on April 11th. And we're going to do an album release show um, April 10th at the Green Room 42, 9.30 p.m. New York City. Um, the, uh, we have live stream tickets available. We have in-person tickets available. But the album and the single, it's just a little taste of the music. I am taking everything that i mean not everything because there's too much music in the world that has inspired me but i'm taking my musical theater love i'm taking my jazz love i'm taking my love for pop songs i mean into you for me is like a queer anthem of just like dancing on the floor glitter in the air living your best life and like feeling that spark an attraction to something or someone for the first time and and acknowledging it and like exploring it it's so exciting it's the joy of life and of queer love yeah we'll we'll do the concert april 10th and then i actually have a couple events coming up across the country but the the plan for this is to do this around the world for lgbtq communities to take music that they've heard in the past that maybe they didn't feel like was made for them or represented them and twist it on its head and say, look at this 
person in my community singing this song that was written in heteronormativity that now has been twisted in a beautiful way to that's amazing show that it's for me it's for me and that i can exist in all arts and i can take art i can make art that is for me is for my community and is for the world so it really is just there to inspire and bring love i'm excited about this album release party we've been in the our our friends that we share with each other i uh we've been have planning a group and gonna be there and i bought my outfit yesterday <gasps> shut up oh i'm gonna go all out it's an album yes, you release better. party you what better. do you mean um so i i am very excited to uh to be in that room that night and just be able to celebrate you and everything that you have created and brought into this world because it is uh it is something very special and i think a lot of people are going to resonate with what you have to say thank you sweetheart i am it's been so much hard work so much sweat and tears and vulnerability that is being poured into this so if it just brings an ounce of joy to someone if it helps someone feel a little bit more seen a little bit more loved or feels like they belong in in this world or in this community then it's done its job matthew davies thank you so much for joining us on the bradshaw effect um hope you enjoyed your time here (laughs) i had the best time i would talk to you for hours on end thank you so much for having me i adore you i adore what you're creating and i'm proud of you always well everybody make sure you go stream uh matthew's song and then save the date for that album and if you're in the city or not in the city and you want to get tickets for um the album release party i will link all of that in the show notes for this episode so visit those links and check all that out and i hope you all have a wonderful week weekend whenever you're listening to this i don't know and uh that's all i gotta say so bye bye